right. Good evening and welcome. It's the Independence Gang. I am your host, J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight. We've got a great show ready for you. It's a Wednesday night. There's a lot happening, a lot of things to talk about. We've got our good friend Scotty Roberts here uh, all the way from what? Louisiana? Is that where you are? It's Louisiana now. That's just temporary, though. I don't claim it. No offense to my Louisiana friends, of which are many. And Um, we've got... uh, Yes, I'm... Make shifty. We've got our good friend Jeff uh, from the great state of Florida with, uh, of course, one of our favorite governors, Ron DeSantis, um, who uh, just did he just kick off, Jeff, a reelection campaign? Was that was that I saw news, but was it was it news that was recent or am I looking at old news? Is he running uh, this year or something? I, so I don't think that. All right, so it's probably I, no, old. I haven't heard anything. Either. Okay, it's probably old then. And then we have a still of Brit in the upper right-hand corner because Brit can't seem to get his act together for 9 o'clock uh, for some reason, like it's a surprise. Anyway, um, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to go through a couple of things rather quickly here. I'm just going to read off a couple of articles, then I'm going to go around. Feel free to address any or all of these things that I'm going to talk about right now, okay? Okay. Um, First of all, there's news out of Chicago that the Chicago Teachers Union is uh, preparing to strike over the plan to reopen schools. Now, if you remember, there's a couple of things at play here. One is the COVID relief bill, the $2 trillion boondoggle that was passed by the Democrats, signed by Joe Biden back uh, a few weeks ago, promised uh, school districts a lot of money to reopen. That was part of what they had been waiting for. Well, they got the money. The money is there for them. And then they had a plan to reopen by April 19th. What are we? Today's the 14th. That's five days from now. But now they're saying that uh, the schools uh, are supposed to reopen on the 19th, but the Chicago Teachers Union still claims the coronavirus makes it too, quote, dangerous for teachers to return to the classroom. That's according to the Chicago Tribune. So apparently it's too dangerous to open classrooms it's not too dangerous necessarily to go on vacation to beaches in florida or hawaii or wherever else these teachers uh, have been spotted so we'll we'll come back to that one too um on another note the wisconsin supreme court recently ruled that uh, the governor there tony evers who's a democrat he's one of the democrat governors that shut things down particularly restaurants and uh, bars and told them that uh, if they were going to reopen, they had to be at like 25% capacity. Well, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has ruled that that is not appropriate. He They overruled the governor on that. They said the legislature has to uh, address things like that. And of course, the legislature did not address any of those things. And then one more, and then we're going to go around here. Um, Nancy Pelosi finally invited Joe Biden to address a joint session of Congress. It's the Speaker of the House's prerogative to invite the president to come give the State of the Union address. That has been set for April 28th. That is a Wednesday. So, Scotty, a couple things to, to address there. Pick one, go, go, go at them all, but a uh, lot, of, lot of stuff happened. Oh, boy. Well, first of all, I live in Wisconsin, so I've heard of all this news I have a big, it opens up a bigger question for me on um, the issue of executive orders, whether they be from Donald Trump or from Joe Biden or from a a governor of a state. I would think that there is not in this republic a, a single high official, executive official, that should be able to usurp the power of the legislature. That is supposed to be the prime, well, I was gonna say the prime directive a uh, little Star Trek lingo, uh, love long and prosper, folks. But uh, um, the prime directive of our government is that it's of the people and then it's, and that there is a legislative body that can check and balance anybody who might have the danger of running too close to being a, uh, a monarch or a tyrant. And so, um, which I'm not laying that at the feet of anybody, but executive orders to me are things that I should think should be overturned have the ability to be overturned by the legislature. So it's good that the Supreme Court in Wisconsin overturned Tony Evers' crap. And uh, there were a lot of people in Wisconsin that uh, were not uh, uh, very much in favor of what he had done. 
So that's my first shot at it. Let's give somebody else. Uh, All right, but a before before to, I uh, before I, I move off of you on this particular topic, New York, California, other states have similar rules. I know in New York it's still a real problem. My sister actually is a restaurant bar owner. She can't open her one of her places, which is a music venue, has been closed since last March. They still can't open because of these restrictions. So what does this pretend for other states that might be facing the same things? I, I think it does set a precedent that, that, that the state can come in and overrule a governor's executive order. Um, I do know that the uh, the mask mandate in Wisconsin was just lifted not even two weeks ago uh, because uh, in uh, going against, again, Governor Tony Evers' uh, uh, supreme orders uh, to uh, everybody should be masked. Well, they've rescinded the mandatory mask order. Now, that doesn't mean you can't walk in somewhere and a store will tell you, well, you still have to wear a mask. That's the state rule, but it's not our rule. Right. And uh, because I've already run into that. Uh, so as a matter of fact, let me share this one thing. I, I flew on a certain airline, uh, Ghost Airlines, we'll call it, uh, to go home nice and cheap uh, for a weekend home. And uh, I walked in and I had my bandana tied around my face because, you know, you're supposed to wear a mask cover. Well, I walk on the plane and there was... And there's nothing about race in this. It's just a descriptive part of the story about a six foot two, large African American woman with about three inch long eyelashes, which I thought was against code, uh, and long, very kinky, curly orange hair. And uh, she had a big mask on. And she goes, she says to me as I walk in, you know, you want to walk in the door on an yeah. airplane. Yeah. And she says. <laughs> I said, and I couldn't understand her because she had this thick mask on. And I did very politely. I went, I leaned in and I said, I said, I, I'm sorry, what was that? And she goes like this. She goes, back off. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. I said, I just didn't hear you. Oh and my. Uh, so social distancing. Well, you have to wear a double mask and all that. Okay. And she goes, and then she says, I don't believe they actually let you on this plane with just a single bandana over your face. Oh. And I said, very cheerily and, and good-heartedly, I said, well, it's a damn good thing you're here to have blocked me at the pass. <laughs> I said, you, I've got it covered now. And I said, thank you very much for doing your job. And not five minutes later, the captain comes on overhead. He goes, well, we're on our way to Minneapolis, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And by the way, if there's anybody here that doesn't like the mask mandates, I just want you to know that between Orlando and Minneapolis, there are 78 airports. We could stop at any one of those and drop you off. Oh, man. And I thought, wow, okay. Wow. But uh, anyway, sorry, I just ate up too much time yeah, no, on it's that okay. little anecdotal story about masks. We but, all, we all, uh, Tony Evers' mask mandate's been rescinded. Yeah, we all feel the, the pain of that for sure. Uh, Jeff, a couple things here. One is this uh, April 28th date for the State of the Union address. They don't do anything. Nancy Pelosi, Democrats, Joe Biden, they do nothing that isn't planned, orchestrated, coordinated. Can you see off the top of your head any significance of that April 28th date? And then also, if you want to address any of those other things. The number they're using, I, I don't I don't know why they're. And I mean, of course, Pelosi wants to invite him to come on there and show his visions for the future. She's saying, oh, she's also happy that she's got Joe Biden to deal with now. I don't know why 28th is the thing. I think maybe it's gonna be about a five minute program. I mean, he's how much is this guy gonna say? I mean, before he starts stumbling and has to leave the stage, you know, with his, his visions for the destruction of America. Uh, but I don't know what the 28th date is about, actually. I mean, the 28th, 29th is the NFL draft, but I don't know about the 28th. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have to assume, and, and Britt's with us now, maybe he can uh, offer some insight on this. I have to assume that either they plan on uh, passing something in the House uh, around that time, or they're going to ram through the infrastructure bill in the Senate through reconciliation right before then it's two weeks from today but that date has to signify something and if we can't come up with it here on this program everyone listening should mark this moment that i i swear there's going to be something that this is going to be tied to wouldn't you think so too brit well you know um we're talking about the 28th april 28th right the joint congress yeah the, the state of the uh, union essentially uh, yes 
Okay, because I missed the first part because I was, you know, in La La Land. Um, yeah, there's definitely uh, something going on. Um, I, I've noticed that the smoke is coming out of the stacks at Disneyland, so maybe they're getting the animatronics together so that he can go for longer than 15 minutes. Um, but I know I did just read an article this morning that uh, the Democrats in the House and the Senate, they have a little joint committee going on right now where they're trying to draft a bill to increase the Supreme Court to 13 members. Uh, so they're going to try and force that through, it looks like. Um, there's also this war stuff going on with Russia encroaching on, uh, on uh, the Ukraine. I read a, I read a report there um, that uh, the launchers for tactical field nukes are being moved to the front line. That doesn't necessarily mean the tactical nukes are there yet, but Russia is bringing up their tactical field nukes. And if you look back at all of the major world-type wars, every war has used the most deadly, most scary, most effective weapons available at the time. So I, you know, if we're going to go into this weird world war thing, um, uh, okay, I, gonna we're going to we're going to talk about Russia in a little bit. So, did you have anything okay. else you wanted to add about the the twenty eighth? I still think there's something. This is going to be tied to something. We just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking probably the Supreme Court or some kind of uh, intervention with a fight somewhere. Well, the Supreme Court thing, though, Scotty, they just established this commission to look at changes to the court. And that's they're not supposed to give their report for 180 days. So why how could they be moving on that right now? Um, I think they're as we mentioned uh, the last time I was on this show, um, they are rushing to do an awful lot of things to, to fulfill their agenda. Um, and I can, what is beyond me, first of all, is how can Americans not see what's going on? Um, the, the need, the desire, the want to increase the number of justices right now is so they can appoint more justices during the two years they're going to have without much challenge. Uh, so they're rushing to get this done. Um, I don't know why the push to do this right now, other than the push to do anything they're trying to do right now, and that's to push through an agenda while they know they're within this limited safe zone of being able to pretty much pass almost any agenda item they want to pass um, because they they hold the majorities. But that's going to change after the midterm elections. Now, unless I'm really stupid and I have read history wrong for the last 50 years of my adult life. Well, 40 years of my adult life. There we go. I don't want to age myself too much. But if I've read it wrong, there is always an adjustment when there, especially when there's an extreme in office. Right. Uh, there is always that adjustment that comes. And uh, so I am counting on that's going to be happening. And so uh, uh, the only reason I can give is that they're rushing to get their agenda fulfilled. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move now, on. I, I okay. do have a question on yeah, that. Yeah. Go ahead. Does anybody know what are the requirements to increase the number of justices? It's not. That's not a constitutional issue. It is not. That it, is a. Yeah. It, that's, that's just purely a legislative issue, isn't it? Yes. That is. It is. Or can uh, Joe Biden just just sign an executive order saying? I'm now going to have uh, 13 justices. I don't know. I think it requires legislative action because I think that, um, you know, that's one of the things they've been talking about, eliminating the filibuster for so that they can get that through. Yes. So I think it's it would require the legislature to act. I want to move on, though, because we're going to we got a lot to cover. I know Britt's got some stuff as well. Um, uh, Lindsey Graham was on Hannity last night. Uh, there's been several actions that Joe Biden has taken. His foreign policy has come under fire. We know today that he announced a withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan by September 11th. 11th of all dates. It's just bizarre to me. Um, but other things have been going on as well. And Lindsey Graham addressed some of this on Hannity last night. Uh, he took a border that was uh, pretty calm and turned it into chaos. Uh, the Mideast had been transformed on Trump's watch where the Arabs were working with the Israelis and had Iran in a box. He's taken Iran and let them out of the box. They're talking about enriching uranium at 60% now, which is a direct threat to the existence of the state of Israel. Uh, the Russians are challenging him in the Ukraine. And now he is withdrawing forces in Afghanistan against sound military advice. I just want to go on and play one more clip from Lindsey. He's paving the way it. for another 9-11. I think Joe Biden on foreign policy has been completely incompetent and destabilizing. Completely incompetent and destabilizing. I just want to kind of go through this tick list of 
uh, decisions and policies that Biden has made that could arguably be very uh, dangerous to the United States. The porous southern border, and I use porous as a as a generous term, but the porous southern border, we've already seen people who have been listed on the terror watch list apprehended there. We know a lot of people are making it through without any contact and apprehension. Um, we have al-Qaeda, ISIS, the Taliban, all resurgent in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we've got an Iran who is now at a bargaining table with Western nations, including the United States, to basically hammer on an agreement that will end up allowing them to have nuclear weapons, which is why Israel earlier in the week took some action on its own. I think they did that on Sunday. Jeff, these this this list is just the beginning. And every one of those items, we, we didn't even mention China. We didn't mention Taiwan. We didn't mention what's going on in North Korea. Every one of those items, Biden has taken a, what I would call, dangerous position as it comes to American interests. Yeah, we're going back five years, obviously. I mean, we're going to put Iran back into making nuclear weapons again. Are, are they crazy? This is nuts. It's like, let's just get rid of everything that Trump did. We'll go right back to five years ago. They're going to start enriching uranium again, which they've been doing probably the whole time anyways. No one's going to tell them what to sure. do. I mean, and, and, and yeah, and I mean, the same thing. I mean, with Taiwan, I think that Taiwan is, is escalating more. Uh, that kind of makes me nervous right there that, that you know, I, I don't that that's bothering me with the with the Taiwan thing, because China is just going to say if they're going to try to declare independence, we're going to go right after them and they're, and they're going to attack and take over no matter what. However, the, and, then, and then the Afghanistan thing, taking the troops out of there, I think that's a big mistake. I think you're destabilizing the region, and I think you're making it, you're opening it back up for Al-Qaeda to reappear because they're just hiding behind the scenes somewhere. And as soon as they see this leave Afghanistan, they're going to come right back out again. And I think you're right in that assessment. Um, nobody wanted to see our troops in Afghanistan for 20 years. Nobody wanted yeah. to see a war continue at that level for as long as it did. But we've gotten it to the point where it's somewhat stabilized. We have a presence of less than 3,000 troops there that are offering support, uh, uh, reconnaissance, and other support missions for the uh, the uh, Afghani fighters. So now it's basically, you know, what's the difference between the 2,500 there, which are a little more active, a little more combat involved, than, say, you know, a, a base in... Um, you know, in, in South Korea or even Germany, for that matter, Scotty. I mean, we have troop presences all over the world for security purposes. Yes, we do. And uh, and I think we should maintain that. Uh, not that we are not. This gets to that philosophical question that I see that gets asked an awful lot. Are we supposed to be the world's police force? Well, no, America is not the world's police force officially. But you have to have a bastion of, if you will, Republican, and I don't mean by the party, but Republican, uh, um, oh, skip it because I'm not thinking of the term I wanted to use. And I meant Republican in the sense of governmental form. You have to have a form of Republican democracy that stands for protecting other nations that are out there, and especially where we have our interests. And people, I remember when uh, the Gulf War took place, everybody was calling it Bush's War. Oh, it's a war over oil, they said. And I said, damn straight, it's a war over oil. Uh, it's a war over who controls the oil. Do you want a, which regime do you want protecting the oil of the world? And also, that that really is the fuel, no pun intended, of our way of American life. So, yes, we had to protect that to a certain extent. And so uh, I don't know if the core of your question, if I'm getting anywhere near that, but I think philosophically <laughs> we need to be at places in the world. <laughs> Britt laughs because he knows so well. So Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I came in kind of late, so I'm a little discombobulated. I'm trying to catch up. Um, and I'm going to take a little point of personal privilege here. And uh, there's some stuff that I've just been observing over the last few days doing this show, making us dive deep into just the sh stuff that is going on in this world. And, and I am seriously losing my mind. I'm like so pissed. Our liberties are evaporating right before us. Real stuff. We're watching it happen. The Bill of Rights is being used as toilet paper. Our side, the right of center side, and even some of the far left, we are being actively censored we are being actively uh canceled disappeared youtube big tech you can name it we are being 
removed. Big tech with the leftist liberal Democrats are working together to push their their whatever. And this is literal fascism that we are watching. When government works with business together to affect an outcome, that is fascism in the definition. I don't know where we go from here. We have we have Veritas proving CNN is pushing propaganda for the Democrats. We have these hundred CEOs getting together, having conversations about how they're going to push their agenda to tell us, the peasants in this world, what to do. I am I am so over this, but it's time it's time to fight back. It's time to stand up. I am risking everything. JV is risking everything. Scotty being on here, Jeff being on here. We are risking everything. I am I am in the public. It is easy to find where I live. I will have people at my house. I am risking that. And people need to wake up. You need to start fighting. We need to stand up against this before it's too late. And I mean, look, I understand you have jobs, you have family, you have bills. I get it. So you need to figure out how you can fight back. And one way you can do that is by supporting people like us that are willing to articulate your anger publicly. Publicly. I'm risking bodily harm. My house damaged. My truck destroyed. Because I am a public person and I'm out here articulating this crap that we're all watching. And a lot of us, JV and I, kept our mouth shut for a long time. In the last few months, we just decided it's time to fucking fight. It's time to stand up before we lose our fucking country. That's where we're at right now. We're watching shit fall apart. It's time to fight. If you can't fight publicly because of your situation, I get it. But you need to, you need to help us fight. Whether it's subscribing to our YouTube channel, our Rumble channel, following us on podcasts, buying T-shirts when we come up with T-shirts, you need to help us be able to fight for you. And I am just, I'm, and you know I, what? I'm just that's not just rhetoric that Brit is pumping out there. Uh, some people will come out and say, "Oh, that's just this wildly rightist extremist rhetoric. It's the right wing nut jobs speaking," and that's not what this is. This is literal. When you start looking like Britt just said, and Britt, I don't want to take anything from what you said, so you go ahead and reemphasize it. But when you look and you look closely, you can see it starting to unravel. And, uh, and is. this is something you're absolutely right. We it, have to fight. It's, it's absolutely starting to unravel right now. So, Jeff, so I, I ask you, are you worried about this? Are you worried about the leftist Marxists actually getting a foothold that we can't break them away when the elections happen and stuff kind of turns around? Are you worried at all about this? Yeah, I was. this really bothered me last night. When I started seeing these hundred CEOs getting together, having a meeting, how they're going to formulate some plan to like, to, to change what everybody thinks and that we all have to think the way they think in the United States. I mean, this is kind of scary that corporates of corporate America can start to do this and start to, to dictate what people need to think and how they need to live their life. You know, it's like, well, these are, you know, and I don't, I don't, I think a lot of it's because they're afraid. I think they're afraid that, that Delta airlines is going to be their fucking terminal burn down. Cause if anybody says no to any of these people, I mean, Baseball put MLB or I mean uh, Black Lives Matter on the freaking pitching mound. This is crazy. They don't even investigate who these people are. They're a bunch of thugs burning cities down. Oh, this is okay. We're going to support this with Major League Baseball. This is fucking nuts. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, I mean, in, in, but yet it's okay for them to support China and say nothing about the tens of thousands of people that are getting killed in China because they're Muslims or what? Or they don't believe in what China thinks? Yeah, this is scary, and it's starting to bother me. Yeah, it's definitely going down a road. So, so JV, I'm going to ask you two questions, and then you can take it uh, because I'm a little heated right now. But number one, do you think the masses will will figure this out in time? And also to you personally, because I, I mean, I'm out there on the edge, and you you kind of went with me out to this edge, and we did this together. Are you ready for this fight that's coming? Because it's not going to lighten up, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. Are you ready for this? Uh, I've been ready for this for a long time. Uh, this last go around, this last presidential election really got, got me to the point where I don't care what people say about what I think anymore. I spent a lot of time on Facebook trying to correct people, trying to uh, inform people in the lead up to the election. And I realized those people don't even, they don't want facts. They don't want the truth. They want to believe what they want to believe, and there's no changing their minds. So I've, you know, at that point, it was basically after the election and the follow up to the election, which I don't care what anybody says, this quote unquote big lie is a lie. There was fraud, 
there was impropriety. And even if it only goes as deep as saying that the uh, that uh, officials in some of these swing states did not have the authority to make changes in the election rules and laws that they did without their state legislature's approval, even if it only goes that deep, which I think it goes deeper, but even that in itself is stealing an election. So when you start seeing that at this point, as you aptly presented, Britt, we are at a point where either we fight now or we won't have anything to fight for if we don't do it nope. now. So that's where we are. I, you know, I'm in a, in a position in life where I've had several successful businesses. I, you know, I don't need to, I'm not employed by anyone else. I only have to do what I want to do for me. Hopefully we get support from people like these great folks in our, in our audience, in our chat room. But the bottom line is, you know, this is so important that we wage this war. And I hate using that language because that's they, they turn it around on us. But it's it's a metaphor. Um, we fight this battle and we we do whatever we can to save the greatest nation on Earth from becoming just another used to be or has been or, you know, on the on the ash heap of history like. You know, the, yep. the, the British Empire is or the Roman Empire is or whatever. Name name any of a hundred of them. Um, so that's where I am. I was yeah, I was listening to uh, as I, I OD on podcasts and I read lots. But this one podcaster said, we are the renegades now. We are the rebels. Okay. We are. I, I, you know, you, I, I mean, I'm just saying if you look back at the 60s when they were fighting the system, that's what we are. We're now fighting the system. It's like the roles have completely reversed. Yeah, but it's and not. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just going to take an exception to that a little bit because if <laughs> the Congress is split by two votes, the House of Representatives, there's only two votes. The Senate is even 50 50. We are not a minority. We are just, no, we no, are no. just too polite, too busy with our families and our careers and our professions to, to engage full time like some of these other radicals do. They're the well, loud ones. Jeff but I don't think that we're the minority. Um, go ahead. I, and I'm not saying and I'm not saying we're the minority. I'm just saying we're the one going up against a system that seems to be in place right now. And, and to pick up on what Jeff said, the, he's absolutely right. These CEOs, these big corporations, they're they're terrified of the other side because we're too nice. We're not going to show up at their house in the middle of the night and throw rocks at their window. We're not going to burn their planes to the ground. So they're they're picking a side. They're picking the side that's the most dangerous to them in their mind. And are we going to – that's why I – and mean, we had this conversation off air a, a, a couple days ago about is it time to fight yet? Is it time to play on their battlefield? And you say no. I say yes. And I didn't I don't say know where no. we go with that. I didn't but. say no. That's not what I said at all. I said it's absolutely time to fight. I said we have to fight. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm talking about I, I when I was talking about actually going out and showing up at their house and, and getting in their face at meetings. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I don't showing, do that. You were you, – yeah, you were saying no to that, and no. I was saying that's where we're at. That's what we need to do. No. Um, not that, not about the general fight that we're doing here. We have to. We're already way over time, and um, we haven't even gotten started <laughs> here, so we've got to move on quickly. I want to talk about a couple of things. Cornell University just announced that it is canceling race descriptions of suspects in crime alerts. Now, we all know what's going on in Minneapolis, but here the Cornell University faculty has passed a resolution calling on campus police to not require race descriptions of suspects in campus crime alert emails because such descriptions reinforce violence against black people. Um, instead, the faculty believes uh, alert that these alerts endanger black people in the community, reinforcing the common phenomenon of violence against black people on the grounds that they look like suspected criminals. Scotty, that sounds to me, that statement, like they don't want to say, they don't want to use descriptions because if you describe a black person, it, it makes all black people suspect. Is there anything more bigoted than saying they all look alike? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It does, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I used to use the analogy that, um, but stereotypes are set by not just the profilers who are looking in from the outside, they're set by the people who are actually doing the acts that creates a stereotype to get set. It's, it would be like saying, um, well, if you look out your window and you see a red-haired, bearded, kilted Scotsman, when you know that all the crime in the neighborhood is taking place by predominantly red-haired, bearded, kilted Scotsman, what are you going to think when you see that guy? I wonder if he's here to commit a crime. Now, is that racist or is that, of course, you have to profile to a certain degree. 
Um, I've got some, an article up here in front of me, and I'll, I'll only refer to it with the time that we have, but um, he started out, this good friend of mine, he said, African-Americans or black people, as we can call them in the article, people, uh, people kill and are killed by police in numbers roughly proportional to the number of crimes committed by black Americans. Statistics and references he provides. The best way to reduce police killings is to limit police contact. And he said, my opinion, eliminate from our roles all victimless crimes and police contact will decline sharply for all races of people. Decriminalize drugs, decriminalize sexual commerce of a voluntary nature, decriminalize gambling, stop asking police to be tax collectors, respect every citizen's right to carry a weapon. And by doing these things, police will contact civilians roughly 2.3 million viewer times each year. That's roughly 48% of all police contacts. So if that comes to pass, it'll save the lives of roughly 600 civilians and 40 police every year. And statistics tell us that people who commit more crimes come into contact with people more with police more often. And people who come into contact with police more often are more often killed by police and more often kill police. And you don't like dividing any of this by race, which gets back to your initial point, but I don't think it tells the story correctly. However, since, since this is the language of our times, black people are three times more likely to be killed by police officers than white people. Black people are 13.4% of the US population. Black people commit 39.6% of murders. This comes from uh, usucr.fbi.gov, this expanded homicide data table. And 58.5% of killings include non-negligent manslaughter and murder. And so overall, black people commit 29.3% of crimes. And you have to look at that FBI table. And black people are overrepresented in every class of crime tracked by the FBI, except DUIs, liquor laws, public drunkenness. And at the same time, in 20, 2020, black people were 28% of those killed by police. So black people appear to be killed by police more often than their percentage of population because as a group, they commit far more crimes and therefore come into contact with police more often. Now you can attribute that to anything you want the social media constructs of the 60s and the 70s, saying that it's poverty and, and all of this thing that drives that drives crime. Well, yeah, true. You know, when you're really poor, are you gonna go out and steal a loaf of bread? Or if you're really rich, you're gonna buy it. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, but additionally, 39.78% of people who have killed cops are black. And the statistics show that African-Americans or black Americans are killed by and killed cops roughly in numbers proportional to the ratio of crimes they commit. And so to stop violence, reduce the number of police contacts. You don't want to see your, any color community. So back to your question about profiling by race, not saying uh, there was a man in a hoodie. Oh, well, what if hoodie becomes now the thing that, well, only a certain, uh, only the Hispanic community wears hoodies. So now you can't refer to his garment as a hoodie. Uh, you know, that's going to be, that is the natural degradation of these kinds of things, is that nothing, according to the woke, uh, not awake like Brit, but the woke part of society will say, these are all the things you need to institute in order to make sure that you're just compassionate to everybody. Uh, and, wow. uh, but, but it doesn't really solve the problem. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it, it, it ignores common sense, it ignores reality, it ignores the true intention here, which is to stop, solve, and prevent crimes. Um, I just want to mention one more thing about this article, because I think this is the funniest, if anything is funny about this. The last paragraph says, this might have been spawned, now again, we're talking about Cornell uh, banning uh, descriptions of suspects to include the race. But they say here what might have spawned this resolution was last year when dozens of Cornell U University faculty, staff, students, and alumni signed onto a letter attacking colorblind practices. And they insisted that the university institute racial quotas and recruit clusters of non-white individuals, according, this is according to a New York Post report. So it's okay to do it there 
but it's not okay to do it over here. So that's that's and I find that's that racism right there. Exactly, so exactly. Bad. We have to keep moving on. And I'm sorry, Jeff and Britt, that I haven't gotten any quicker here. Um, picking up on this, uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib has called for no more policing and no more incarceration. This is again another form of insanity. This Democrat is saying that Dante Wright was met with aggression. And violence, she adds, I'm done with those who condone government-funded murder. She says it wasn't an accident. Policing in uh, our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Jeff, you may not have known uh, before Britt told you that you signed on to have your life ruined by being on this program. Uh, But now that you know that, (laughs) feel free to comment on Rashida Tlaib. Now, Rashida Tlaib is a freaking super nutbag. What it, not police in the country? Who's gonna like? Who's what are we gonna have? Nothing. Just gonna let these people go around and burn our neighborhoods down? This is ridiculous. Okay, I understand it was a very horrible thing that this kid get killed. I mean, it, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it was obviously an accident. We can all see that. And he has not. He has not been given. It hasn't been proven in a court of law. Nothing's been happened. She's not given her rights yet. She resigned. Okay, I get it. I mean, I understand why she revived. She's probably she's so obviously ridiculously upset about by what happened. But we all see what happened. I mean, obviously, it was not a, a it was not a racial crime. The kid got pulled over because his license was expired. And when they checked his license plate on their in their supercomputer in their car, they saw he was wanted for a warrant. So he was. I mean, it, it started right there, and it snowballed into a very very bad situation. And somebody like this Talib. I mean, oh, she just—they just take. Oh yeah, no, it's all racist, and we can't have any police in America. That the government supporting killing these people. Yeah, well, why doesn't the media ever show when this stuff happens to white people too, or anybody else, or Chinese, or aliens, whatever the hell they are? This is just, yeah, yeah, it, yeah she's a nut. I can't. Take it her. is. It is insanity. You know, Qu- quickly, Brit Scotty. Said, quickly. Well, what Britt said earlier. We need to stand up and start taking, we need politicians to stand up and look at her and say, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I mean, that's just all it really takes. It's, I get so tired of listening to this stuff and having nobody yeah. who disagrees with her, say, other than do a reporter, well, you know, I think that she should have. No, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And just go sit down. Um, I just want to point out one, one more thing about this particular article. This came from Breitbart, and the, and the author of this article is Kyle Morris, and he says in this article, and you have to forgive me, I, this is such small type. According to reports, Wright was allegedly allegedly taking off in his car after an attempt to arrest him when one officer at the scene at the scene shot him. He was pronounced at the scene allegedly taking off. Did 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 he not see the video? It's pretty right? clear. It's Brit. No, no. I mean, it's obvious that he took off. Yeah. Why? Why would yeah, he? No, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just insanity. I'm going to keep moving on, Britt. You're up next here, but um, also on the same topic, uh, Jason Johnson was on MSB, MSNBC, and uh, he was offering his thoughts and comments about this uh, as well. I'm going to play this for you. I've been saying we need to abolish American policing as it currently exists. It doesn't work. I said, what's the graduation rate for high school kids in Baltimore? And the Baltimore graduation rate is only about 80%. People are always screaming, oh my gosh, Baltimore public schools are terrible. They need to be taken over by the state. They need to be taken over by the government. You know the average homicides that are actually solved by police departments? Only about 35%. You know the number of rapes and sexual assaults that are solved by police departments? You know, less than 60%. Policing doesn't work the way we're doing it right now. Policing doesn't work, and he's making a comparison to Baltimore schools, which, by the way, he says is 80%. The actual graduation rate in 2019, as you can see by this, is 70.3%. So it's 10 percentage points lower than 80%. But either way, Britt, is that a fair comparison to to say, well, obviously, policing doesn't work. If they can only solve 35% of the murders, which I don't know if that's a real statistic or not, and people complain about an 80% graduation rate in the schools, obviously... You know, they bitch about the schools. Why aren't they bitching about policing? And that needs to change. Is that fair? No, not at all. Um, the school, I mean, just because they have a 70 percent, it doesn't mean the kids are. There's a lot of kids that are graduating that cannot read or write. I made it to the fifth grade being with straight A's, kindergarten through four, straight A's. Got to fifth grade in a new school district. I could not read or write a single damn word. Thank God my fifth grade teacher figured it out and helped me get straightened out. Um, 
So that number means nothing to me. Can those kids read the diploma they're being handled? Um, policing is a very difficult thing to do. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's mean. It's horrible. And the statistics he's spouting are probably from his district, which is inner city. And the, there is a huge problem with you don't help the police. And if the community won't help the police figure out who the bad guy was, who did what, what do you expect the numbers to be? Um, the Going back to the shooting that just happened in Minnesota, the officer screwed up. The officer straight up screwed up, and she is going to be charged for manslaughter. She'll go through the court system, as it should be, because everybody is responsible for the lead that comes out of the end of your gun. And she, she legitimately screwed up and needs to go through that. And there is history of that. If you look back when LAPD and LASO Sheriff Department went to these stun guns, there was a handful of officers grabbing their gun instead of their – stun gun and shooting people one of the more famous ones is in long beach the guy actually died it was a white guy that got shot a homeless guy but it was because they had the stun gun on the leg right below the gun the fire gun and the cops were getting screwed up so lapd did a bunch of testing and now if you look at lapd officers and laso their stun guns are on completely opposite side of the body so well, the officers can't get screwed up if you notice minnesota have that if you noticed, I, I don't know. after our we had we had uh, Rich on the show with us on Monday night, and he mentioned those things. And I looked at that video yeah. again, and it appears to me that their stun guns are up here, kind of chest high, on uh, on their opposite side. That was the way the other the 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 officer who was trying to put him in cuffs. That's where his was because I took notice of that. I want to play another cut. This is the host of that program. I think it's Nicole Wallace is her name. What an idiot! Listen to this. I, I guess I'm old enough to remember when one of the solutions was going to be body cam video. Well, here we are. There's body cam right. video and it's still happening. What is the solution? Right. Now the idiotic thing about that particular statement is it's the body cam video that showed us clearly what this officer did it showed us clearly that she fired a weapon that she didn't realize that she was firing she thought it was a taser and it's going to be that body cam video that not only uh, it goes to the trial when she is actually up for trial on manslaughter charges but it's also body cam video among other video that's currently being employed in the uh, George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin trial that's un ongoing right now. So did did she was she so stupid that she thought by wearing body cams it was going to eliminate uh, bad judgment calls? It was going to eliminate suspects trying to flee or pulling out guns or whatever? I mean, is that what the body cams are supposed to do? Were they supposed to be the the item that prevents everything from going wrong or are they supposed to be the item that documents what happens so we can go back after the fact scotty and and administer justice where it needs to be administered oh my god i can't believe they're not wearing body cams you know what she said or whatever so i even her tone of voice uh yeah you know i lost the main point that you were trying to look for an answer on that on that or at least let me let me just on. let me just ask it again. She's she says I remember when body cams were supposed to body cams were supposed to solve all of this, and obviously they haven't. So what are we going to do to solve it? Body cams weren't going to solve it. They were just going to give us a way to administer justice when necessary. You know what? There is no way to solve these problems. These are not solvable problems. All you can do is keep learning. By sad to say, there are mistakes made. There are misjudgments made. There are even bad things that get done. This is the way society or any intellectual person or entity, uh, intellectual people running any kind of entity like this, law enforcement, how do they learn how to do better? There are mistakes that are made along the way, or there are things that they keep, they have to keep tweaking and keep refining. But you cannot take away from the officer their ability to, uh, to do what they need to do. How many officers do you see in recent days that have said things like, well, my hands are tied in certain areas? Now, politics has tied our hands. Now, it's not like we don't want the coppers like in the 1890s, you know, walking around, you know, you New York with their little billy clubs. Say, hey, little Brit there. Now you're not supposed to be smoking that. Put that cigarette out or I'll smash your face in and you'll be pooping out teeth. You know, that's not the way the police can do anymore. We've learned by those things to not do that anymore. But I think we have a pretty refined system in place. What we will never resolve or solve is all the politics that people want to bring into it. As nonsensical as the cancel culture has become, there are things within the anti-police community that are as stupid as Pepe Le Pew. 
And you can't resolve those things. These are things that happen when you have violence that takes place and you need violent men or men that can commit violence on behalf of our society to protect our society. When they are in place to do that uh, and they have to do that by necessity, uh, there are going to be things that not everybody likes. And uh, sad to say, that is just the way it is. We have to, yeah, we got to get moving and, moving here because so. this next story uh, is probably the most important story we'll talk about tonight, maybe the most important story uh, since Biden took office. CNN was caught, or an employee for CNN, was caught on a hidden camera, basically, an open mic situation with Project Veritas, admitting, admitting that their entire effort was to propagandize the election leading up to Election Day in November to get Trump out and to get Joe Biden elected. They did things like question, make up a story to question Trump's health. They did things like try to only show videos of Joe Biden when he was, quote unquote, jogging or wearing the aviator goggles. So he looked younger. Britt, we you and I Not have tripping upstairs. Right. You and I have talked about media dishonesty, but this goes far beyond dishonesty. This is an active campaign by uh, a major news organization not to report news, not to even report slanted news, but to actively actively affect an outcome of an election by using misinformation and propaganda. And it is so much worse than what you just articulated out. If you watch all that video and the stuff that they're talking about doing, they're moving on to climate change. They're going to do the same thing there. This, this is fascism. When big corporations work with the government to get to a certain outcome, this is fascism. We are here right now. Um, how anybody... Do you really think that MSNBC isn't doing the same thing or the Washington Post? Well, or the we, New York we, we Times know they are or, because they're all repeating the sure. same. They're repeating the same story. So they have to be. Exactly. So they're all doing it. The only outlier is on the mainstream media. The only outlier is Fox News. And even they were wobbling there for a while, kind of falling in line. Here's the problem. They had their grift going and it was smooth sailing right into whatever their ultimate plans were. I don't know if that's the answer to China or whatever, but Trump screwed up their game and he was so dangerous to what they're doing that they had to take him out at all costs and that's what we got to witness and the mask slipped and we saw the man behind the curtain and all the sleaziness that's going on and veritas is on to this stuff you know that you know the guy that was talking you know how they caught him jv they caught him because one of veritas's reporters found him on tinder swiping <laughs> that's how she got into him that's great Tinder. that's so great. I, I i am so impressed with veritas's investigative reporting levels that they're going to i mean this is true deep throat stuff that they are doing and they get slammed by the mainstream media that their agenda was right along with what was going on before trump hit the office so um this is amazing stuff, and I and I supposedly he has more that's coming that's even more damning. And uh, anybody that's looking at anything mainstream media and just believing it, you are an idiot. I just have to. I just have to point. I want to point something out. We just got to keep moving here quickly. But I just want to point something out. If you search Project Veritas on Google, the Wikipedia entry that comes up reads. This the uh, Project Veritas is an American far right activist group. The group produces deceptively edited videos of its undercover operations, which use secret recordings okay. to allege misconduct and corruption. Blah blah blah. So, I mean, they're trying to discredit it right there, Jeff. I know you've been waiting patiently here. The thing that this this uh, CNN employee went on to say is that now that we've gotten Biden election, our next thing, uh, our next objective is to scare America into climate change. Uh, legislation. And we're going to go full force with this climate change agenda. That's what you're going to see. And we're going to use fear to make Americans support the Green New Deal. That's effectively what they're saying. Oh, of course, that's what they're going to say. That's what they use is fear. The problem is, how do we get this information to the rest of the population? How do we how do, how is this mainstream media get bypassed to let people learn and, and see the facts about the Green New Deal or the, 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 the uh, there's so many underlying like aspects of things that make that are green that really aren't green. It's just like a circle that comes all back to the to the Democrats so they can make money off a lot of the schemes which is a lot of what it comes down to is money, money, money and uh, and power. But 
yeah, the information's got to be good out to more people and people are going to have to learn and read and try to change their ways of thoughts. And I'm not sure how we can do that. I don't know if we can do it. Scotty, you, if you have a media organization that is, you know, claims to be a news organization and yet they are beyond just leaning to a side here. And as Britt pointed out, you've got MSNBC following right along. You've got the New York Times and the Washington Post following right along. You've got uh, NPR, ABC, CBS, um, who did I miss? NBC. Um, you know, you've got all of these other news organizations that might not go to that extreme, but certainly are in the same camp. Um, you know, and then you've got Fox, Fox News and things like Project Veritas trying to get the truth out. Well, it's like I said, I think it was the last time I was on this program with you guys. Um, what was it? Uh, Rockefeller, the senior Rockefeller said at the turn of the last century, over 100 years ago, he said, he who controls the newspapers controls the world. And this is uh, now extend that up, bring that into modern times, extrapolate. He who controls the media controls the world. And isn't this the truth? You look at the, the election that took place, you look at the administration that's in place now, you look at all the handlers that are working in that to get their agenda across using Joe Biden as their, their, their lap dog. Um, and what do you got going on here? You've got the media is driving this to take place. The media is behind that because the media is part of that, if you can call it a political ideology, that's their political ideology that they're furthering. You look at, it was not Bezos, uh, I can't think of who it was, so I'll skip the names. But you see all of this that was taking place and there were accusations of this during the election, during the campaigns, that the media was doing this. And uh, now you're seeing, of course, and Brit, I think, was it you or Jeff that said, you're going to see, they're going to come out and now say, well, that's obviously edited video and that's, you know, that's what you're going to hear now. It's the simple debunking, debunking. And what I have seen coming out of Biden's mouth and that side, I look at it every day and I say to my son or my wife or whoever's watching with me and I say, do you realize that what he's saying doesn't, isn't ringing a word of truth, but that is being repeated yeah. because most of the public of the United States don't take their time to dig any deeper than, oh, CNN just reported that Joe Biden said this and that must be the way it is. And that's, and we've always warned against that, but we're seeing it more now that dumbing of America. And it's a, like a deliberate dumbing. And it's like a bunch of Americans are also saying, please dumb me down. <laughs> I want to believe what you're saying. And it, and They're, because, go ahead. I, you've got um, so many hot buttons in me tonight. I'm sorry. I know you're, you're like, you're like blah. I just like it when you do it in the Sean Connery act. Let me, yeah, um, that's all I'm saying. Brett, hold on. Let me, let me just, <laughs> let me just, let me finish this off and then you can take it here. Um, just want to point out that uh, a House committee uh, voted on D.C. statehood today, and it's I think it passed. I don't know what the update is on that. Of course. But I just want to point out that this article from The Hill, again, talking about a dishonest media, the last sentence of the article says, Republicans, however, argue that Democrats are attempting a power grab because the city generally leans Democratic. The city generally leans Democratic. Let me show you what the vote totals were in the last presidential election. 93% Democrat for Joe Biden. That doesn't mean... That's a big lean. Yeah, that doesn't mean Donald Trump got 7%. No, because you had a libertarian, you've got some D.C. statehood party guy, a couple independents there. Uh, uh, Trump only got 5.5%, basically. So Republicans got five and a half percent. Democrats got 93 percent. This article says with a straight face that Republicans argue that Democrats are attempting to grab power because the city generally leans Democrat. Unbelievable. I think Texas needs to oh, invade yeah. D.C. <laughs> <laughs> so go, so to comment on that or whatever, Britt, go. Uh, well, are we going to go long tonight? Or no, I can't. Uh, I've got another show tonight. I can't. And I got to leave. I got a show in five minutes of my own, so I got to take off. Guys, it's been fun. Thanks, Scotty. Have a good night. I wish I, I could stay for the overtime. Thanks, Scotty. You can. Just ignore your other show. <laughs> there you go. Some you, of my listeners right, so are in the audience here. Don't listen to Brooke. Okay, I got I got a quick. I got a quick. I just got to have, have a real quick story. The IRS is uh, having a hard time hiring people because uh, unemployment 
cost uh, is paying better than the IRS. So if you're experiencing longer waits than normal, the IRS is because they can't hire anything, anybody because they're making more money elsewhere. But last time I checked, a, 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 an IRS person makes about 28 bucks an hour starting. So uh, why in the hell are we paying more people? Why are we paying people more money to stay home, Jeff? That's all I'll ask Jeff. Why are we paying people more money to sit home <laughs> when there's jobs available? Britt, I just, Lauren and I experienced that this, this evening. Lauren and I went to Chili's to have dinner tonight at 7.20. And guess what? There was a, a went on the door and it had a sign, we are understaffed so far that we have to close at 6 p.m. today. How could they be understaffed in Florida where it's wide open and there's like tons of jobs available and all these people just got laid off from jobs from COVID? I mean, what is going on here? That's nuts. Uh, wow. I, I'll, let me add to that because, again, my yeah. sister owns a restaurant and a bar, and they are having the exact same problem. They have several employees. They're not a big organization, but they have several of their key employees who are making more on unemployment because those unemployment benefits include regular unemployment plus an additional, I don't know, three or $400 uh, bonus COVID unemployment uh, that they get on top of it. And this is what the Republicans were arguing about back over the summer when they said we can't pass a bill that that incentivizes people to not go back to work. That makes no sense. And the Democrats uh, used that as one reason to hold up. Obviously, they were more concerned about the election than anything else. And then they went ahead and passed it this time around. So, you know, this is this is going to be the case until September, and they'll probably extend it after that. Wow, that's amazing. So let me ask you this, JV. Do you think it's possible that they were thinking, man, we're going to, the their plan to train wreck this economy. And if we have people out of work, we better damn well give them money somehow. Otherwise, me, they will come for us, a la France. Let me, let me point out something. And I, I, we, we got, there's so many things that we didn't get to tonight because of our time. But, um, you know, you watch those images of what's going on in Minneapolis, and it was all last summer, too. And then many of those images are going to be repeated in other cities around the country. What do you see there? What I see there is similar images to places like, I don't know, pick up a city in the Middle East where we used to see images of these people marching in the streets and throwing rocks and Molotov cocktails or or pick France as another good example. A lot of, and what causes that? Generally, it's people who are out of work. So right now we're in a situation where we're paying people to be out of work. And that and this is the part of the result. Granted, there are there are, there are triggers to this stuff. However, if people are working and have responsibilities and are back to what I would consider to be a normal lifestyle, this stuff is less likely to happen. And so Absolutely. now you've got to ask yourself, are these payments and this COVID stuff also, part of the uh, part of the motivation that Democrats have for this is to f get people into the streets and cause this kind of chaos. Uh, you know, this it's I, a whole thing, right? I there. think, I think this is, I, and I see that we're down to a minute. I, this, I, I really believe that this, this, all of this that we're watching going on is part of the Great Reset that has been, they've been working on since the '60s, and this is them playing it out. And we're the lucky generation that gets to watch it happen. No, because we, because honestly, JV, you and I, we have a foot in both worlds. We grew up in a great America, mm -hmm. and now we're watching. Now we have the foot in the side. Well, Jeff did too. Apart. Jeff, Jeff did too. In fact, Jeff, oh, yeah. Jeff forwarded me a picture today of he and I uh, being interviewed by a man on the street, street reporter, and we were kids, but they were asking us about what we thought about the raid to rescue the hostages in Iran, the one that failed, oh. <laughs> that Carter launched, and it's kind of funny. That's it's kind that of fun. That was 79, right? 79 or 80. I mean, the election the election yeah, was 80. Yeah, I think it was right before Reagan. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Jeff, bad. Jeff, sorry we didn't get more time to have you in. I want to close this by, no, no by, and I'm going to come back, so don't go anywhere. But that interview that I showed earlier of uh, on MSNBC with Jason Johnson, um, I put a little montage together of the of the host, Nicole Wallace, who is an idiot. But watch this. I find it very weird. The government. Only another shooting before this. Well, and, and Carmen, a kind of tragedy is caught and sad. There are more incidents by video, body cam video. It's a new, I saw it to, to my team. Put this into context. What and with, with the way, I guess my point, distinguishing sort of trait in, in everything between question is, what can the Biden administration saying? What the hell is with her head? <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing with her head? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, wait, weird. wait. 
Yeah, yeah, oh wait, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, hold on, hold on. Yeah, the, yeah, the research department just uh, just gave me something that should explain it. research department has way too much time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's our research department and uh you know they do they do very very good work they all right um we went a minute over time i've got to jump to my other show because uh, we're going to be talking about angels tonight on beyond reality so i'll look forward to uh, the regular crowd there jeff thanks for being with us tonight appreciate it i wish we had more time this show has got to be two or three hours i think to actually get to this stuff you know oh my god yeah it really we does. have it. I mean, it's definitely there. Ejo, gal. Yeah. So, um, all right. We'll be back uh, to Friday night uh, at nine o'clock Eastern. Of course, please subscribe. Please share. Please like. Right. Those are the things we need. Oh, and if you're a podcast listener, you should know that the live version of the program is Monday, Wednesday, Friday nights at this point at nine p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel can be found at the Independence Gang. Anything to add to that, Britt? Uh, uh, we are on podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast. You can find us there. Um, and, uh, yeah, all I can say is we, it's time to fight. It's time to stand up. And one way you can do that if you don't want to be vocal is support us and other people like us that are doing podcasts and video vlogs that are fighting and being vocal about it. Again, thanks, Jeff. We'll catch you all next time. <laughs>